0: If you would please turn with your Bibles with me. Uh, We're going to be reading out of Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help. And they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord.
1: Evangelism is not for the weak, all right? I should know. I wrote a whole book about it, self published. Most Christians, they are just good for bake sales and potluck dinners. But I'm telling you this right now it takes a lot of moxie to grab a non believer by the shirt collar and throw him in the front doors of a church and say, hey, try living out your heathen life in front of a holy God that way. It is like holy water on a vampire. That's divine intervention, my friend.
2: Repent, for the kingdom of the Lord is nigh. Come to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
0: Well, sir, it sounds like you're really passionate about Jesus.
2: I am. Um, and you should also be okay. passionate about the Lord.
1: Sir, if there's...
2: You need to get sanctified or chicken fried. Can we... You need to get with the Lord or d- drive a Ford. Get right or get left.
1: I share my faith. Okay, that's a lie. People don't even know I'm a Christian. I want to. Again, another lie. I hardly shower, much less have the will to do anything else. Mm, Okay, now if there was pizza and ice cream every time there was faith sharing, I'd do it. That's a lie. I'm lactose intolerant. Again, another lie. I'm just too cheap to buy dairy. Bottom line, sharing my faith makes me sweaty. Uh, Tip number 95, um, use big church words like transubstantiation. Heathens get confused easily, and the more confused they are, the more ashamed they are. The more ashamed they are, the more apt they are to make a decision for Jesus Christ. I believe it's a responsibility, no. The privilege, no. The glorious privilege of every believer to share their faith with others. That's why I share my faith with everyone I come in contact with.
0: Everyone, really?
1: (laughs) Yeah, everyone. How do you do that? Uh, check out my shirt. Can't read it? Try this glove. Not working for you? How about this bracelet? No comprendo? Vistazo a estos. (laughs) Driving behind me? Read my bumper sticker. Says, it's okay if you follow close. I'm going to heaven. (laughs) Oh, you're my waiter or waitress? I got a tip for you. Surprise! It's the gospel. I mean, what do you want? Money or eternity? (laughs) I also use these tracks.
0: (laughs) So, what about talking to people about your faith?
1: I don't really like people. But I love Jesus. (laughs) Scripture mint? Hi, my name is George. And I'm Jorge. And together we're George and Jorge. Right,
2: right. Uh, What we like to do is to take secular songs and reprogram them.
1: Yes. The purpose is for evangelism. We like to take songs to the unbelieving world and make it believable.
2: Right, right. Let us give you a sample right now.
1: you tick, what is it, you're headed to H, double hockey sticks, hey lost sinner, why don't you just give it all up to Jesus, tonight, pray, for your soul today, for your soul today, just pray. I was a freshman in college, the first time I invited someone to church. My best buddy called me. I was working at a grocery store. I was in the back cutting carrots, and my buddy called me. And I just said, hey, do you want to go to church with me tonight? And uh, I remember his words. He said, sure, I got nothing better to do. And I went to church with him. And, you know, I went there because they were serving pizza that night. Um, I don't remember what was said. I don't remember what was sung.
2: During the services, I remember praying for him and just Asking God to please reach out and touch his heart or do something because I knew he needed Jesus. And then um, God answered my prayers.
1: That night changed my life, September 17th, 1987. It changed my life
3: because I realized I needed a Savior. Good morning. Um, Pastor Josh won't be with us today. He's over at Pontiac Prison, and he's doing the uh, prison ministry, which uh, really needs to be done, and uh, it takes a special man men to do that, so uh, he's over there today. So I am your replacement speaker. So uh, I don't get paid, so you get what you're paid for, okay? So... (laughs) But I'm supposed to look, uh, Josh wanted me to tell a little bit about myself. Um, My name's Paul Cohn. Um, I'm I'm one of the elders at the church here. Um, uh, I've been married for 35 years to my wife, Beth. And if you don't know my wife, Beth, she runs the nursery over there. She's always over there most of the time. And I have three children. Um, I have a 17-year-old, Clayton. He's probably over, I think he's helping over there now, trying to grow a little growth like me, you know. And I have two older children. a children, a daughter who lives in uh, Venice Beach, California, and I have an older son who lives in uh, Tucson, Arizona, and they're far away. And as long as they don't call me up and ask for money, I'm fine with that. And also, a few things I do um, uh, I'm a track coach, a girls' track coach down at East Pier High School, I've been doing that for about 10 years. Um, also I coach a little bit down uh, eighth grade basketball down East Peoria Junior High every once in a while every once in a while they need a basketball coach for the year and they'll maybe call me up and so I go down there and coach down there too uh, but also I've done 30 years of youth high school youth ministries um, I've done ministries with um, youth for Christ Rocky Mountain ministries in Jackson Wyoming and um, I was the youth director here at the church for about eight years. Um, I'm not doing it for the last couple of years since I've been an elder. And I've been uh, youth directors at some other uh, churches, vol- all this volunteer, by the way. Um, but tonight, um, I just want to share with you what's on my heart. Um, like I said in the first service, I'm not here to, I don't have any like golden nuggets of truth, you know, but I just want to share what's on my heart and what God's been doing in my life. And I just want to share these things. Um, One of the biggest things I have in my life, and it's the biggest thing in my life, is my relationship with Jesus. And I figure, if I don't have a good relationship with Jesus, then I'm not going to have a good relationship with people. I believe God is a relational God. And we're made in God's image. So we need to be relational with each other. I believe that building relationships with people can be the best and most effective way to share your faith with others. It's not fast food type of process. It, it takes time, but it's a process where you get to love people and you get to be involved in their lives. And you know what? That's what Jesus did. It's a process that I live out, not something that I, else I have to do. But it's what I do. It's as I go in my daily routines. I find out if people they do it if it's a if it's a chore or something I have to do, it's not real. And let me give an example. Uh, some years back, when Pastor Robert, he was our last pastor we had, we had a life group over his house, and Doug Chamberlain was um, giving the uh, message that night at our life group, and he was talking about you know loving other people. Well, that, at that time, I was having trouble with my neighbor, this lady behind me. She was really a she's. A really a nasty lady and anyway I was you know she was giving me trouble and I was just man I was just angry at her and Doug was talking about loving people and I was going Lord so I convicted my heart and I'm going okay I guess I'm going to have to love this person but I mean now it's something else I gotta do and I didn't think about it until later and I said it out loud everybody heard it you know and I got thinking about it later. Lord kind of talked to me about that and says, you know, if it's something, you, if you've got, if loving somebody is something you've got to do, that's nothing. It's kind of like you know, it's not really caring. It's not personal. And, and I think um, Isaac he gave a good phrase, and we we're talking about this, and he says like Billy relationship, it's not something added to my plate, it is my plate. It is the plate. You see, evangelism is relationships. Now, let me—I hope to explain this a little bit better. So, after watching the video, which attempt, which attempt of sharing Christ was the most effective? Which one was the? What do you think? Nobody. Hopefully, you picked the last attempt. (laughs) Okay. Now you may laugh, and those may be exaggerated. But you know, many Christians use those type of tactics and methods. A friend of mine, he calls them sales pitch uh, a sales pitch syndrome. It's like you know, sales pitch, you know, the car salesman. But why but why was the last one with Tommy and Eddie, why was it so effective? Does anybody anybody it's okay to speak up, guys. You know? Why was it so effective? Why do you think it was effective? Anybody? If
1: one person reaching out to another person.
3: Okay. Yeah. And I looked at it, too, like, Tommy cared for Eddie. He cared about Eddie. You could tell that. And Tommy was sincere. And another big point, Eddie trusted Tommy. And Tommy was involved in Eddie's life. They were best friends, BFs, or even more, BFF, which means best friends forever. I learned that from SpongeBob, watching it with my son. (laughs) But Tommy's attempt, and I don't mean to say the attempt, but Tommy's attempt was personal. It wasn't like those other attempts, because those other attempts were basically, they weren't personal, were they? They were cold, phony, uncaring. And I guarantee you one thing, non-Christians can smell that a mile away. I've been in youth ministry, and I've talked, and I've helped train um, uh, other other guys, uh, youth guys, and when I, um, people come and help me on, on, when we were staff over here, when people came on, I tried to help them, and, and I said, listen, one thing the kids understand, if you don't care about them and you don't love them, they're going to tune you out because they can, they can see that. Even high school kids can see that, and their brains are mush. I call their brains are mush, but they can even see it. So if you try to play these phony uh, gimmicks on non-Christians, They're going to see it a mile away. And you know what? It gives a a bad name. One thing I also want to point out. Did you notice that Tommy hung around with non-Christians? It's okay to have non-Christian friends. You're hearing it up here. It's okay. And you know what? If you don't have any non-Christian friends, I want to tell you, you better go get some. Because that's the people we're supposed to go to. If you're a Christian, you're supposed to go to those people. So go out and get some non-Christian friends. It's okay. They're the ones that need the Lord. Jesus told us that. But Tommy built a relationship with Eddie. And when the time was right, Tommy invited Eddie to church. And he heard the gospel. And he says, it changed my life forever. And now those two guys, are, you know, they do, they're the skit guys. And they, you know, they're, do, they're, they're great skits, and they go and share the Lord with everybody. So building relationships can be a very effective way to share your faith with others. Why? Because it's real, and it's personal. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. He did it with the apostles. He did it with Lazarus. Mary Magdalene. Martha, just to name a few. You see, evangelism is relationships. Let's turn to Mark 16, 15. If you would in your Bibles. It says this. pretty simple. It says, go into all the world and preach the good news. And you might say... Well, how can I go into the world, man? I live here in East Peoria, Illinois, or in the Peoria area. You know, I can't be going across uh, the seas. I'm not, I can't maybe be going to the end of the, you know, end of the earth. Well, how about starting in your world? The people you meet. The people you live with. The people you work with. Your neighbors. And you do it as you go. You don't change nothing. You don't add something to your life. You do it daily. As you go, you meet with those people. Those are the people. There's nothing, nothing new. You just do it. You know, we, uh, another life discussion we had, oh, about a month or so. We were talking about going into your world. And Cameron Anderson uh, said something, and I had to write this down. He says, some people's world may just be at the end of town or even at the end of their street, or the end of their block. See, your world may be different than my world. Yours may be bigger than mine, or mine may be bigger than yours. It's the people that you come in contact with that I don't. It's your, we call it the sphere of influence. Who's the people in your world? And that's what I'm going to ask you. Who's in your world? And you might ask the question, who are some of the people in my world? Who do, you know, I just need to look. I don't understand who exactly, who do I need to go to? Well, let's look at the first followers of Jesus. Who did they tell? Let's go to John 1, 35 through 45. We turn to the book of John. We'll read that. John, John 1 35, starting at 35. It says, The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked. They replied, Rabbi, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said, and then he followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother, Simon, and he told him, We have found the Messiah. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Peter went went then to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. So who did they go tell? Let's look at this real quick. Andrew Heard it from John because he was his disciple. He was John the Baptist's disciples. Now that wasn't John. The John to talk about is John the Baptist. Andrew was one of his disciples, and when Andrew heard, um, he was being mentored by him, and he was going. When Andrew heard what John the Baptist said about Jesus, he went and followed him. And then what did Andrew do? He went and told his brother, and then Jesus. And Andrew and Peter went down to, uh, where was it? Um, I'm sorry. they went down to Galilee, and they went and found Philip. Because they were from the same hometown as, as Peter and Andrew. And if you know anything about small towns, I bet you that Andrew and Peter knew Philip before. If you're from a small town, you know that every small town, everybody knows everybody's business. My wife and I used to live in Jackson, Wyoming. It's, it's kind of a big resort town now, but when we lived there about 30 years ago, they didn't have a McDonald's, they didn't have nothing. If we wanted to go to Kmart, we had to drive over the Teton Pass, 90 miles to Idaho Falls to go to a Kmart. You know, It was a really small town, and I, I, can, never, I can still remember my wife saying this. She goes, everybody knows everybody's business. You can't even sneeze in this town, and everybody knows about it. So I guarantee you, that small town beside I bet you Philip um, knew Andrew and Peter. And then, and then it says Philip went and told Nathaniel, his friend. And then in the, verse, in the passage that Todd was reading in Luke 5.10, it says James and Johns were business partners with Peter. And I know that Peter had told them. So who do we tell? Well, we can tell our family. People, in our family, our friends, coworkers, neighbors, people in your world—you know—that's a good start for us. And I want to ask you a question: Who told you? If you take your bulletins and open up and find a little insert, go to question number two. Everybody, grab this, please. If you got a pencil in your hand. I want you to answer that question now. It says, list the name, names or names of the person or persons who made a significant impact w- in your relationship with Jesus. Write that down now. Who's the one that told you about Jesus? And who told me? It was my mom. I used to go to Pleasant Hill School over here when I was a young, young boy. And my mom had a routine. Every morning, she would wash dishes, and she would make us dry them. We didn't have a dishwasher back then. And when I was drying the dishes, she would sit down and read me Bible stories. I wasn't a Christian, you know, but I knew every Bible story because my mom shared Christ with me all the time. And then a little bit later, my brother, older brother, became a Christian, and I followed him around like a shadow. Everywhere he went, I went. And I remember him becoming a Christian, and he started telling me about, explaining to me about Christ more, and helped me understand. And I go, I noticed there's such a big change in him. I go, that's what I want. And that's when I became a Christian about my sophomore year in high school. Tommy told Eddie, changed his life, his friend. Evangelism. Is relationships. Okay, now that I've now that we've narrowed down your field of people who you can be sharing with, now I want to get down to the heart of the matter. I want to get down to the nitty gritty with you. If you turn to Luke 6, 12 and thirteen. Please turn your Bibles to Luke 6, 12 and thirteen. This is a great example. It says, One day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples, and he chose 12 of them to be his apostles. And here are their names, and it lists the names. But what did Jesus do? He prayed. And he didn't pray just a little bit. He prayed all night. What do you think he prayed for? You know what? I believe he was praying for God's guidance on whom he was supposed to invest his time with. Because after that, Jesus invested his time and his efforts in building relationships and to train and to mentor those 12 men. Now, Jesus had a lot more disciples. We always think he just had the 12. That's who we focused on. He had a lot more disciples. But he said, he prayed to God, God, who can I invest in, can I build a relationship with? And he took 12 guys. Now, I don't expect you to go out and got 12 people because, hey, Jesus was God. But there's people that God you come in contact, that God brings into your life. That he wants you to talk to. And maybe build a relationship. And invest in. Now my question to you. Is this. Will you be like Jesus. And take time to pray. And ask God to show you. Who in your world. That you can build relationships with. And invest. Into their lives. For the kingdom of God. i want to repeat this. Will you be like Jesus and take time to pray and ask God who in your world that you can build relationships with and invest your life for the kingdom of God? I hope you will. Because remember, evangelism is relationships. Now we're going to be showing another video and I want you to take notice the lives that were touched by someone investing into someone else's life.
2: This is Nate. Nate became a Christ follower two weeks ago and is still a bit giddy about it. Now he's trying not to do cartwheels in public. Nate became a believer partly because of Kim, Yet, oddly enough, Kim and Nate have never met. How is this possible? Well, let's take a look. Kim loved Jesus from an early age, and in college she had a huge impact on her friends. While most of her peers used their college years to, well, experiment, Kim didn't. She remained committed to her faith, and it showed. It especially showed to Lisa, her roommate, who confessed to Kim that she wanted whatever it was that made Kim so strong. Kim shared her faith with Lisa, and Lisa believed. Years later, at Lisa's first real job, she met Thomas. Thomas was hit by a drunk driver when he was 13 and still carried a lot of anger and bitterness. Thomas and Lisa became friends, and it wasn't long before he started going to church with Lisa and her husband. After a lot of studying and searching, Thomas gave his life to Christ. Fast forward a few years. Thomas became a public speaker and was often asked to speak at large events. See, when he became a believer, Thomas developed a new perspective on life. He stopped resenting what had been taken from him and started being thankful for the second chance he had been given. On one particular day, Thomas shared about overcoming hardship and what it means to choose joy. He was so passionate that a number of people were inspired to share a link to his video. The video of Thomas inspired James, too, and if anyone needed inspiration, it was him. James had a ton of issues. He spent most of his life as a passive husband, an absent father, and a horrible friend. That said, no one disliked him more than he disliked himself. But everything changed the night he happened to watch Thomas online. Something clicked, and he knew what he had to do. He surrendered his miserable life to someone greater, and he was forever changed. James fought hard to make up for the lost years with his family. And he also began working with young men who were in danger of throwing their lives away. One of those men was Nate. Nate didn't really know his own dad, and he had no real direction in life, ultimately bouncing from one bad decision to another. Because of that, he often found himself in trouble with the law. No one had ever showed him what it looked like to be a real man. That is, until he met James. James became the first father figure Nate ever had. He learned about honesty, self-control, humility, and integrity, and where those traits come from. Two months later... Nate publicly declared his belief in Christ And of course, James was there Now you can see the connection Nate was impacted by James who was influenced by Thomas Thomas on Uncommon Joy and Lisa Who learned of Jesus from Kim Kim's relationship with God eventually led to Nate's Funny how these two people have never met and never will
3: you know that just shows that Kim invested in one person's life and it affected so many others I can't I can't tell you Lord's been uh, telling uh, showing me that when I invest in people's life, what effect it has, and I learned something this morning. I, I, I can't even explain it. it. It's so hard for me to explain because um, the emotions that come out. Because um, when I get into somebody else's life, yes, it takes time. Yes, it takes effort. But to watch them grow and to be involved in someone else's life, there's nothing else like it. And that's what God had it all along. He comes into our life and wants to be have a relationship with us. We need to do that with others and share Christ with them. This morning, I learned of an example. Um, we were youth, I was a youth director over here, and we had some people that helped out, and Casey was one of them. And I just learned this morning that um, one of these girls that um, had come to our youth group for a long time, and she ended up becoming a Christian um, in our youth group, um, but Casey ended up building a relationship with this girl, well, she's got out of high school, and she got in a little bit of trouble here. But you know who the one person she went to? She called Casey. And, Casey, and Casey's walking her through this because she built a relationship back when she was in high school. And it still goes on because she invested time to that person. There's a young man right here, Tim Brown. I don't know if you ever noticed, but did you notice he brings different boys and girls to church with him because he's investing in those lives. And he just doesn't bring different ones. Ever. He brings them numerous times. Tim, you're doing it. I applaud you for that because that's what God wants you to do. And that's what he wants you guys to do too. Invest in someone else. Find the person in your world. I don't know who it is. Pray about it. See, God, who do you want me to really invest in? You know what? It may take extra time, but you know what? you do it as you go it's not something extra that you have to do trust me i know it's not i just do it as i go and as i live my life and god blesses that not me but i get to watch other people grow and see what god god changes their lives and that's a blessing all itself let's pray lord i just thank you for today um lord i just pray that um We'll start being aware, being intentional about looking for people. You said that, you, that we'd be fishers of men. Lord, let us start fishing for people. Who can we invest our life in? Who can we share ourselves with? And maybe they'll become a Christian, and then they'll show others about Christ, because that's what we're supposed to do. So I just pray, Lord, that you'll put on everybody's heart here today to, to find somebody to invest into for your kingdom. And we just give us all to you in your son's precious name, amen.